Ask an expert number six. Today, I speak with James Nichols from Fitzroy Health about the Fitzroy Health study looking at 1,400 health system healthcare services deals. What worked, what didn't work, and the main takeaways. My name is Stacey Richter, and this Relentless Health Value Ask an Expert in Between episode is sponsored by Aventria Health Group. You just over at Fitzroy Health conducted a study where you looked at 1,400 healthcare service deals and you developed, as you called them, phenotype deal templates. Do you want to talk a little bit about what you uncovered that might surprise our listeners? Well, we conducted an exhaustive study of healthcare deals related to health systems throughout the US and with some international deals on behalf of Partners Healthcare in Boston. We reviewed over 1,400 deals. We interviewed over 60 health system executives from the C-suite and the innovation departments. And we developed a pretty interesting, very current understanding of what has been working and what has not been working in health system investments, direct investments, and also the development or efforts to commercialize internal capabilities. There are really three levers of value creation that we identified through the process. First is expanding the pipeline of traditional licensable assets, the drugs, devices, diagnostics, and other traditional modes. The second lever is to widen the lens to emphasize other technologies, so healthcare IT, for instance, which would fall outside of traditional tech transfer or licensable assets. And then the third is to address the disruptive approaches to care delivery models. So I would say in order of maturity of commercialization, they're the three different areas that we looked at. And we identified a number of examples in each one of those that have started to bear some fruit, but many where it is difficult to point to a lot of knockout successes. And I think if you look, for instance, at some of the surprises that came out, uh, and especially in the second category of commercialization of the technologies. So, you know, I, I think there, there were some interesting innovations in the, in the traditional licensing of drugs and devices, but frankly, that doesn't apply to most of the health systems in the country. A lot of the health systems in the country do believe that they have developed internally some pretty interesting technology assets that is solving the problems of other health systems. And frankly, we haven't seen a lot of success on average. There are some examples, but in terms of return on invested capital and especially for technologies that have been developed internally at health systems, there hasn't been a great track record. Maybe it is that healthcare takes a long time to deliver its returns. Maybe it is that there just weren't great ideas. Maybe the market's not ready. There's a whole range of reasons. But that second lever that I think that the market and the investment community in particular have placed a lot of faith in and spoken with their wallets, which is licensing technologies. 
has not created a lot of value, or at least is not captured. There hasn't been a lot of value that has been captured. So that's been interesting to us. That is an interesting finding, but it's also influencing how we work with health systems, especially health systems that don't have the enormous depth of R&D and other support resources to help generate innovation activities. And what that tells us is that where there are disruptive approaches to traditional operational models, not just care delivery models, but even operational structures, that's where health systems have proven to have the best opportunities. So the three categories of licensing drugs and devices, which is only applicable to a small number of health systems, relatively speaking. The second category of licensing new technologies has also been underwhelming. The third of creating disruptive models, either operating models or care delivery models, we see the best example of incremental value being created. And that's why, as a firm, we're interested in identifying areas where tech-enabled services are delivering value and less focused on the moonshots. Just to clarify, this was a study of deals within the healthcare ecosystem at large, a technology company trying to license its technology, or was this a study of health systems trying to work amongst themselves and sell something? Well, it is a little bit of both because a number of health systems and even surprisingly smaller health systems have set aside investment capital because they feel like they need to be investing in the uh, future solutions that are solving their problems. Uh, so the old and the, all of the innovation centers that are cropping up. Right. But even health systems without innovation centers, uh, active LPs inside funds that are deploying capital. And so we looked at any deal that had some interaction with the health system, either health systems had been LPs in funds that had invested in the businesses. And because they were LPs, health systems believed that they could be be a positive influence on the fortunes of that company or deals or businesses that had been sourced from hospitals and that had been developed in partnership with or with the confines of the hospital. So any of these 1,400 deals had some sort of interaction with the health system in that way, which means there are many, many more healthcare investments and VC activities that were not involved with in any way with the health systems. And what's an LP, if anyone doesn't know? An LP is a limited partner or an investor in a a fund, a a VC fund or any private equity fund. And often the health systems are investing through funds that have expert money managers and have track records of successfully picking uh, businesses that that deliver return. And hospitals, consistent with the theme that we're seeing throughout of trying to find non-core sources of revenue. They're investing in funds partly because they expect to see outsized returns, or in other words, non-core revenues or non-core value, but also because they want to see the information that is going through those funds. They'd like to see what are the deals that are getting funded, what are the businesses, what are the ideas of the businesses that are out there in the market. So there are multiple reasons why the hospitals are participating as limited partners in funds. But it is certainly consistent with this broader theme of hospitals and CFOs trying to identify areas of uh, of value capture that fall outside of traditional medical reimbursement, surgical reimbursement. And where can people go to get that study? Where is it? Is it available on the interwebs? 
<laughs> it is available through Fitzroy generally, and I, we have a version of it that is available for distribution to health systems that have and investors that have have interest in it. But it is uh, something that I encourage people to reach out to to me directly on, but uh, not something that we have downloadable from the website. And if someone is interested in buying or selling a disruptive model and would like to, or the study, and would like to contact you, James, where can they find you? Well, our website is FitzroyHealth.com. I'm happy to take emails from interested relevant parties at jnichols at FitzroyHealth.com. Eager to continue to create an ecosystem of innovative health systems that are both identified in creating businesses and also, of course, health systems that in need of solutions that have been co-created by other health systems. 